Shalom beloved family in Christ. Welcome to 20th century of controversial. Today's controversial topic is infant baptism. Now the first question is, is it biblical and can we soundly justify infant baptism out of scripture? Doesn't scripture say that baptism is only for those who repent and believe? Well, let us search out what scripture says for the truth. My name is Philip Mulder and we also have Chris van Niekerk with us today. The first question I want to address is the following. Does scripture support infant baptism? Philip, no. <laughs> the answer is absolutely no. You will not find a reference to infant baptism anywhere in the Bible. Now there are some denominations that declare that baptism replaced circumcision, which is also not true because you will not find that in the Bible either. Now. In the New Testament, baptism always follows conversion. And we need to understand that. Every time that you look at, at any verse, any scripture in the Bible, baptism always follows conversion. So we call it the believer's baptism, but it is actually a, a baptism after conversion. And that is an important thing that we need to understand. Now, what happened to the people in the Bible, it always says they believed and were, and were baptized. Let's be honest with one another. Infants cannot believe. They cannot make a choice, and therefore it is not relevant to them. And that is why Yeshua said to us, you know, let the children come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to them. And that is an important thing. So they need to get to a level where they can make a decision whether they will be a believer or not, and then after they've made that decision, then they, will, they can be baptized. Now, Yeshua made a crucial statement that indicates the pattern of baptism. And we must understand there's something interesting in Greek. If you understand the Greek language, the thing that is mentioned first is always the most important. And, and if you read Mark 16 verse 16, he says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. So what, is, what do we see here? There's the first thing that we see is that you need to believe and then be baptized. That is the pattern. That is how it follows. We see that in Acts 2 verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that is very important that we understand this and that we see how this actually, the one follows upon the other. Now, there's a guy by the name of Friedrich uh, Schleiermacher, and he wrote, he said, all traces of infant baptism which have been asserted to be found in the New Testament must first be inserted there. <laughs> so therefore, it is not there. Um, and we even see this through a Roman Catholic professor of theology, a gentleman by the name of Heckebocker, and he stated, he says, this controversy has shown that it is not possible to bring in absolute proof of infant baptism by basing one's argument on the Bible. And the reason why he says that is because it's not there. It is not in the Bible. And, um, you know, in modern day, um, uh, you know, in the, after the Reformation, one of the things that happened is, one of the things that Lu Martin Luther kept was the infant baptism. And we see that today in, uh, in a lot of the denominations. Now, most of the denominations um, follow a creed. It is called the Dutch Creed, or if it's called the Belgic Confession. And there are certain articles that describes their belief. Now, if you look at this, the, the, the one that is about baptism, it is called Article 34, the Sacrament of Baptism. Now, one of the sentences that they use in that creed about baptism says, 
Jesus abolished circumcision and established in its place the sacrament of baptism. Now, that is crazy because it is not found in the Bible. There is no verse in the Bible that says that Yeshua abolished circumcision. It does not exist. So, and what they do is as proof they state Matthews 28 verse 19. Now, when we read Matthews 28 verse 19, all that Jesus does is he says to us, go then and make disciples of, of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't say anything about circumcision. And then they also use Colossians 2 verse 11. And, and again, it says nothing about circumcision or that circumcision has replaced baptism. Now, um, if, if I can just quote to you Matthew 28 verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then, as you can see, there's nothing that states anything about um, circumcision. Then Colossians 2 verse 11 says, In whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. And when we talk about the circumcision made without hands, it absolutely refers to the circumcision of the heart. It says, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And when we talk about the circumcision of Christ, it, doesn't, it has nothing to do with baptism. It has to do with the circumcision of the heart. Many people say, say to me that circumcision was abolished. That is not true. If we look at the circumcision of infants, eight-day-old infants, that is, you know, something that, that was given to Abraham. It's part of the Abrahamic covenant. Um, and it is really to identify the nation of Israel. But when we believe in Christ, we become part of a new generation. And there has to be circumcision. And that circumcision is circumcision of the heart. Our Father already told us that in Deuteronomy 10, verse 16 to 17. He says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, a great God, a God, a mighty and a terrible, with rego uh, regard, which regards not persons, nor takes rewards. So again, we see that this is an important scripture to us. It already tells us in Deuteronomy that the heart needs to be circumcised. In Romans 2, verse 28 to 29, it says to us, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So circumcision did not disappear. It changed. It changed from physical circumcision to circumcision of the heart, and therefore it has nothing to do with baptism. So what is the origin of infant baptism and where does it come from? Okay, so there, there are two distinct origins. The first is from the Roman Catholic Church and the second one is, comes from an occultic use. Now the evidence of infant baptism in the first um, 200 years of the church is missing. There is no evidence that the church in the first 200 years after Christ um, performed any infant baptism. It actually started around the 4th century um, AD. And in 400 AD, Augustine requested that infant baptism must be accepted. So, as we know, Augustine is one of the church fathers. He was part of the Roman Catholic belief system and of the Roman Catholic Church. Now, the Roman Catholic Church declared that infant baptism was a tradition of the church. They themselves said that. And in 1416 AD, the Roman Catholic Church made infant baptism compulsory within the church. So, that is an important thing that we need to remember. The Roman Catholic Church actually prosecuted anyone not believing in infant baptism. They called them Anabaptists, 
That is where the Baptist church comes from, um, or originates from, but they actually persecuted those people. The second, the second um, origin is, as I mentioned, an occultic origin. And this originated from Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz. And these three people you can read about in the Bible. Nimrod in Genesis 10, um, Semiramis and Tammuz in Jeremiah 7 and Ezekiel 8. Um, Semiramis is actually called the Queen of Heaven in the Bible. Now, Nimrod became the sun god. He created the mystery religion. And there was a ritual initializing people into this specific religion. Now, what they did is they used to pass babies through the fire. So two men would stand opposite the fire and they would pass babies through the fire as an act of cleansing. Now, the ritual had a very high mortality rate. So you can just imagine passing babies through the, through the fire caused a lot of death. And what happened was that the fire was replaced with water and babies were baptized rather than passed through the fire. Now that kept on going. Now if we read, um, you know, the Bible, the Bible refers to this passing through the fire in 2 Kings 16 verse 3. It says, but he that was King Ahaz walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yes, and made his son to pass through the fire. There we see it. According to the abomination of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. So these rituals that we see in, in the occultic system, in the mystery religion, actually filtered into the Roman Catholic Church and then into most other denominations. And, uh, and that is actually where infant baptism originated from. Thank you, Chris. As we can see, according to scripture and extra-biblical references and documents, that infant baptism was never practiced by the first century church. We see several warnings regarding this kind of idolatry in scripture. As it infiltrated into the body, many accept this phenomena or this doctrine without testing the doctrine against the word of God. We know that Yeshua said in John 4, 22 to 24, that the time is now when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We should turn back to the scriptures as the only source of authority regarding doctrine and also what we practice. Now, Chris, what are the dangers involved of infant baptism and why should we not participate or baptize infants? Well, firstly, it's not scriptural. <laughs> I think that's the most important part. If we are obedient to our Father's word and if we believe in the patterns of our Father's word, then it is unscriptural. We cannot go with, with anything that is unscriptural. That is the first thing. The second thing that happens is you must understand the moment that a baby is baptized. And you will see that they always touch the baby on the forehead um, with a few drops of water. You know, what, what the cause of that is, is that, the that their spiritual eyes are closed and their third eye is opened. And therefore, we see that in modern day Christianity, it is very difficult for most Christians to understand the, the working and the work and, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit and, and how the Holy Spirit works uh, within us and through us. And the reason for, one of the reasons for that, obviously, is because... So by being baptized on the forehead, it takes away their spiritual consciousness. And, and therefore, they cannot function 100% in, in um, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, so that is the danger that we have within modern-day church. This reminds me of when we read in Hosea 4.6, where God says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And that is why it is so important for us to know Scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the truth through God's Word. 
We read, as Yeshua said in Matthew 22, 29, you do err for not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And this err in the Greek is the Greek word planeo, which means you are deceived or you are being led away from the truth. Why? Because we don't know what is written and we don't know the power of God. Because if we know the word of God and his power, we will not be misled in the way as the church was misled during the years. Another question we should address is, why are people so stubborn and continue to follow these idolatrous practices? It, it comes from, you know, we have been taught certain things and, and we have been involved in tradition. And this is a traditional thing. And, and one of the things that a lot of Christians say to me is, but everybody is doing it. Now, what is crazy about that statement is that in Jesus' time, Everybody was saying something completely different to what he was saying. And the majority actually agreed with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they didn't agree with, with Jesus. So I, I think that same thing applies. It is all about tradition. We, we are so used to it. Everybody is doing it. And if everybody is doing it, it must be the right way. And it is not always true that when everybody does something, it is the right way. Um, and I think that is probably the, the most important reason for that. It reminds me of something. If we followed the majority in the biblical times, we would have voted also to crucify Christ. Because the majority of the nation or anything does not mean it's correct, nor is it the standard. If we would like to walk as Yeshua walked, we will always be on the road less traveled, not following the majority of the people. Now Yeshua walked alone. His disciples did not follow the majority, but they followed one man, which is Yeshua. That is why we should also be a follower of Yeshua of Christ. Now we have seen that in most denominations that the method of baptism also changed to sprinkling with water. This brings me to our next question. Should Christians therefore be totally immersed and not sprinkled? Well, that's what the word baptism means. If, if you look at the word baptism and you look at um, the word in Greek, it is the word baptizo. And the word baptizo means to be fully wet or to be immersed. Now, there are some interesting scriptures, extra-biblical scriptures, that describes a sinking boat. And it says, and the ship baptizoed. Now, I can guarantee you that nobody sprinkled it with three drops of water. It actually went under the water. And, and the true meaning of the word baptism is to be fully immersed. Now, here's an interesting thing. Paul refers to the baptism as a burial. You cannot be burial or buried by putting three little stones on your on, on your forehead. If you are buried, you, you are completely buried. And, and it has that same reference. So when we are buried in Christ, it is the same thing. That is what the baptism refers to. So it is full immersion. Thank you, Chris, for sharing with us the truth about infant baptism. And brothers and sisters, as I always mention, please taste everything according to what is written in the scriptures. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth regarding this matter. And also, may our Father in heaven bless you with his wisdom, with his understanding of his word. Because he is the great I am. He's the Aleph, he's the Tav, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the only way, the truth and the life. And as we read in John 8, 31 to 32, and this is Yeshua speaking, where Yeshua said, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Shalom, beloved brothers and sisters.